We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hi, I'm Alyssa Milano, and this is Sorry Not Sorry, where we tackle social, political, and cultural issues from the perspective of unapologetic guests while highlighting citizen activists doing amazing things throughout the country. Well, it's done. If it hasn't happened by the time you listen to this podcast, it will happen very shortly. The cowards in the Senate GOP are about to acquit an unbelievably corrupt and incompetent president without even calling for witnesses. That's never been done in history, not only for impeached presidents, but for impeachments of any single federal official at any level. It disgusts me, and it should disgust you. But you've heard what happened, and more importantly, what didn't happen inside the sham trial. We're going to talk about what happened outside while the Senate was refusing to put American democracy over its own lust for power. My guest is Tay Phoenix. Tay is a singer, songwriter, and activist who has been a leader in the impeach and remove movement. She's been arrested at the Capitol for demanding the Senate do its job and remove Donald Trump from office. We talk about the importance of standing up and fighting even when you know it's very unlikely you will win, the need for civil disobedience, and getting up and getting back in the fight even after you lose. The effort to impeach President Trump has energized Americans on both sides of the issue, and perhaps nowhere is that more plain to see right now than in our nation's capital. Activism, protest, comes in all forms out here. Some silent, some pretty loud. As fast as we The president has his supporters, but mostly it's pro-impeachment groups, and one group in particular seems most organized. Wearing mostly black, the removed Trump activists are here from all over the country. Donald Trump is a threat to our national security. He is a threat to our global security. And so I speak from that point of view. And so this is all interconnected. The harms that he's doing all over the world um, is a social justice issue. And I, I just had to do something. Senator Lisa Murkowski will vote against a motion to consider subpoenas of new witnesses and documents at President Trump's impeachment trial, giving Republicans 51 votes to wrap up the trial. Do not allow a witness, a document, no witnesses, no documents in an impeachment trial is a perfidy. It's a grand tragedy, one of the worst tragedies that the Senate has ever overcome. We want witnesses! We want witnesses! 
Hi, I'm Tay Phoenix. I'm here in Washington, D.C. to expose Mitch McConnell's cover-up of Donald Trump's crimes. Sorry, not sorry. Tay, where are you from, first of all? Seattle, Washington. Okay, so you're from Seattle, Washington. Do you still live in Seattle? Yeah. And you traveled to D.C. how long ago? I know you've been I've, here a while now. I've been now. here since January 4th, so it's we're going on week three here. And what made you decide to come? It was... Partly just the memory of the Kavanaugh fight and knowing that we were going to need to bring that kind of thunder and lightning again and even bigger in order to actually affect his removal. Obviously, that hasn't come to pass. But it was also because I know that my skill set is different than a lot of activists. And I think that it's necessary in situations like this to have a variety of skills in the mix. And so- What does that mean for people oh, that aren't familiar with activists? I'm a, I'm a singer-songwriter. And so I use music as a community organizing and direct action tool, direct action being like specific kinds of protests, especially stuff where we're taking arrestable action. And being able to use music in that context is really powerful. A lot of other activists, you know, they bring a lot of different skills to the table, right? There's visual art, there's, you know, words and communication, there's planning, creative political theater. Um, but actually being able to bring, you know, music to the table is something that a lot of a lot of folks don't have in their toolkit. And so it's it's good to have around. I'll never forget during the Kavanaugh fight when you and I were going to offices and we were sharing our stories with people, our stories of being survivors. Yeah. And all of a sudden you broke out in song. Yeah. At, out of nowhere. I just and, yeah. and my tears could not stop falling. And it's such a powerful thing to do in the middle of trying to convey a message yeah. and it's soulful yeah and peaceful yeah we are rising birds we are not the hate we see cause we're not whole till all are free you can fight us but you'll lose cause nothing can defeat the truth I think the word activist has taken a really negative connotation lately. Mm -hmm. And really what we are are humanitarians, yeah. right? Like that's – we care about humanity mm -hmm. regardless of boundaries, regardless of um, political ideology. Yeah. I mean, I know I would fight for someone who believed in other things just as hard as I fight for people that look at things in the same way. Right. What I'm interested in, though, is that it seems like you were ahead of the remove movement <laughs> before it caught on at all. And I'm wondering what you saw. I think we were so focused on just impeachment, impeachment, right. impeachment. Right. And I'm wondering what you saw in that fight mm -hmm. that made you say, no, I need to go fight for him to be removed. removed. I felt like impeachment I don't want to say it was a given, but there were so many people that were engaged in that. And it seemed very clear to me that it was going to happen or it was most likely going to happen. And I felt like I needed to save up my energy and my focus to, to try to actually push it through the Senate. I don't know. It, it just seemed like the next logical step because I knew there would be a trial. Like if there's going to be an impeachment, there's going to be a trial. Right. And we need to try to bring that, that ruckus to the trial. 
And what is the difference between when you got to D.C. three weeks ago versus now? Have you seen it swell and grow? Yeah, yeah, for sure there are more people here now than there were a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's not enough. It's not anywhere near Kavanaugh numbers. This is a political action protest, as you can see, continues. It's uh, much larger than a week ago when those uh, one-on-one hearings were going on. Uh, and it is with much more energy as these protesters come to Capitol Hill to say no to the Kavanaugh nomination. We would have needed at least 10x Kavanaugh numbers in order to push the Republicans to ask him to resign. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we're not getting the numbers of protesters or people taking to the streets? I think it's a couple of things. One Folks are really focused on the primary and on the general election. I think that there's a lot of people who are just like, let's just vote him out in November. It's this experience, we were talking about this earlier kind of off air, but it's infuriating to watch the cover-up and to watch this sort of reality distortion field in play. And I think a lot of people are exhausted from that crazy-making kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. And, I think and there's it, a bit of fatigue. I think yeah. that's a real thing. Yeah. I think that that is a real thing. I think there's so many things to worry about, so many things to fight for mm-hmm. and against that it feels as though people are just tapped out. Yeah. People, the, the crazy is become normal. That's yeah. our baseline now. Yeah. The outrage fatigue is very real. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think it's a combination of those factors. And, you know, obviously it's disheartening, you know, but we're still here and I think there's still things we can do to, you know, draw attention to the cover-up, to expose Mitch McConnell. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about the, the what we've seen so far in the impeachment process and, and in Senate. It's pretty bizarre, yeah. in my opinion, how the Republicans are just this united front mm-hmm. in a situation that you would think someone's moral compass would come into play. Right. And I think Susan Collins was the only one on the first day that sort of broke with the pack to vote for something that was actually pretty m- minuscule. I have to be here to bear witness and to call on our elected official, Senator Collins, to do the right thing, even if we believe she won't. I believe she has set up a political calculus to say that she wants a vote on having witnesses, but she is not committed to having witnesses. So she has negotiated with McConnell how to look like a moderate, how to look like she's convened a group of moderate leaders, and ultimately that effort will fail. I'm Kate Josephs uh, with Mainers for Accountable Leadership and also with Lincoln County Indivisible in Lincoln County, Maine. It's a resistance group with 550 voters in it. I'm here because of the impeachment trial and because our senator, Senator Collins, is one of the critical votes we gather on uh, the question of whether this will even approach being a fair trial. I have to say we're not optimistic. I'm wondering what you think is going on there. Well, first of all, that's how they always use Collins, right? They they kind of mm-hmm. put her out a little bit. She does something that kind of breaks with the pack, so it kind of looks like maybe something's going to happen, and then they rein her. And you think that's how they use her? I think that's how they use her. I think, really? I think that's, I mean, or that is, whether they use her that way or whether that's the function that she serves. I mean, you remember during Kavanaugh, right? Yep. Like it was all, it all came down to her, and then she gave that 
bullshit. Can I swear bullshit oh, yeah. speech? Yes, yeah, you can swear. Oh my God. So do you still think it is possible that he did it? You just don't have the proof to back that up? I do not believe that Brett Kavanaugh was her assailant. Like, what even is the point of her? Like, we just have to get rid of her. Do you think there is too much focus on the presidency for 2020? Do you think we need to focus more on the Senate? I think, well, I think we need to focus on both. I mean, so you mentioned moral compass. I want to mm-hmm. go back to that for a second before we move forward. I don't think anything here is what it appears. I think that there are forces at play here, and I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but there are moneyed forces that are very much pulling the puppet strings of this. And, and what's your theory? Who is that? Oh, I don't have it. I mean, you I don't think, have a I, I think I think it, it could be it could be the Russians. It could be the Chinese. Like, there's a lot of different. Like, when I say the Chinese, I mean the government, obviously, yeah. not not the people of either one of those countries, right. but their governments. Right. You know, it could be Saudi Arabian government. Like, there's a lot of potential players, and and frankly, just you know, the billionaire class, right? Donald yeah. Trump, and I'm I'll be perfectly transparent. I'm a millionaire. I'm not, you know. I'm not somebody who's struggling economically. This is very good for me economically. Like the stock market is booming, but that's not good for normal everyday Americans. And so it's that moneyed elite that is benefiting from this. It really is amazing that he can go on TV and talk about how great the economy is when eight out of 10 people are living paycheck to paycheck. Right. It's Good for a very minuscule. Yeah, yeah it's good and for us, I right? <laughs> think, and I've said this before, but I really think part of the reason that we're not seeing more of a ground movement or or more outrage as far as the impeachment goes is because I think it's a great luxury and a privilege yeah. to be able to worry about impeachment. Yeah, because you know the the mother or father of four mm-hmm. that is just trying to figure out how to get a new tire, right, so that they can get to work. They don't care about what the fuck is going on in the Senate, right? They it is a privilege for us to worry about mm-hmm. this, and I think I think that it's hard to explain to people how this affects and impacts their life directly. Yeah. And I think we really need to start talking about that Mm -hmm. as progressive liberals, as Democrats. Right. And I think we have candidates like Elizabeth and Bernie who Mm -hmm. are doing a really great job at representing Mm -hmm. people who are living paycheck to paycheck and that income inequality. Mm -hmm. Thank God people are talking about it. Right. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The moral analysis of the Poor People's Campaign, which is one of the yeah. ones I'm involved with, yeah. is really, like, they're not just talking about people who are homeless or who are living kind of within the federal definition of poverty. They're expanding that definition to look at, you know, the 180 
million Americans who are one paycheck away from losing their housing. Yeah. It is that dire. Yeah. A good friend of mine who's another activist musician, his name's Cameron Lavi Jones, observed during our impeachment rally in Seattle that, you know, he's a young black man. And if he were to do one one hundredth of what Donald Trump has done. This justice system would rake him over the coals. It's the same way for, for poor and working class people because they're constantly criminalized for everything that they do. And so that massive double standard, I think, is one of the things that we need to speak to when it comes to accountability. It's like, if you're poor, you know, it's how much justice can you afford? Right. Yeah, I mean, there's and there's so many double standards that it's it's crazy. I mean, I won't even get into the uprising of white supremacy, which is the issue that keeps me up at night. Right. These terrorists. These terrorists. These absolute terrorists that have been recruited and who prey on the vulnerable, who are loners, and these kids that don't have high school friends. And I mean, it is an organized mafia. Yeah. White supremacy is an organized mafia yeah. and they are plucking these kids out of high school and it's terrifying. You know, the memes and everything, it just preys on the youth to right. continue the movement, which is, I mean, it's, that's a whole other issue. How do you tie in impeachment with uh -huh. all of those other issues that we're facing? Oh boy. I mean, again, I think it comes down to accountability. I mean, white supremacy is more than just the white supremacists, right? And, and you know, and the people, the kids that they're preying on whose, you know, brains aren't even fully developed yet at 18, 19, right? And they're getting sucked into this. But again, that ability to act with impunity, mm -hmm. that ability to escape consequences for one's behavior is a function of white supremacy. And what Donald Trump is promising to these terrorists mm -hmm. is that they will continue to be able to act with impunity or relative impunity to people of color. And again, it's all about creating that hierarchy, right? As long as I have someone to look down upon, mm -hmm. I will feel good about my place in life. And I won't challenge the, the ruling class, the wealthy ruling class. And if you're going to abuse your power to withhold military aid from a country that has always been under the boot of another country, mm -hmm. you're going to abuse your power when it comes to the citizens exactly. of your country as well. Exactly. Um, my name is Marie Folletar. I am from Maine, and I'm the director of Mainers for Accountable Leadership. I just arrived this morning at 8 a.m. Flew in um, at you know, the 6 a.m. flight because this is the beginning of the impeachment trial. I have to be here to bear witness. You know, when you get ignored over and over and disrespected by your elected representative, you do get a little, a little put off. It is so important to show up for events like this. I mean, here we are um, at... I don't want to sound overly dramatic, but I do think our democracy is teetering on a precipice. And one of the critical votes is our senator from Maine. I'm from Maine, and I want to come down here, and I want to be there. I want to look her in the eyes, and I want to know why she's doing what she's doing. Um, and we're going to hold her accountable if she doesn't do the right thing. We know that there's this, this fight going on between two parties, but we, the people, are the third force. And we have been here doing amazing things. And 
you know, it's, a, it's an act of creative, artistic resistance. We all have to become our own activists. We have to call, you have to write, you have to phone bank, you have to canvas, you have to talk to your friends. I have a couple of friends who routinely send me misleading articles. They're, they're, they're nice, they're Republicans, they're good military friends, had them a long time. And then I fact check for them and send them back so they, they're not being fed disinformation and then they can make good decisions. We can all, all work together to overcome this, but, but it's going to take all of us. Has anything surprised you about being here now? What have you discovered about being here or from being here? I mean, I wouldn't say I'm surprised. I'm saddened by the lack of turnout relative to Kavanaugh. But I don't think anything has really surprised me about this. I think I, it's, it's going as designed. And it's Did you think more designed. people would be showing up? I hoped so. I it really might still so. happen. It might to, still happen. To be yeah. honest with you, I mean, yeah. as this is unfolding, mm-hmm. it hopefully yeah. will will grow even more. You can't have a trial without witnesses and evidence. No way in hell is it going to be fair to do it any other way. We have to make it known right now that we will not accept them subverting our democracy, that we will not accept them dragging this world into an irrevocable climate disaster, that we will not accept them stripping our fellow citizens' rights away. I think everybody deserves a fair shake, uh, good or bad, and everybody should be heard. You know, 6,000 people doing civil disobedience and that, like, that's what we would need. Right. Right. We had 600 people arrested during that second to last big protest during Kavanaugh and the Hart lobby. Mm-hmm. We would need 10x that to put that, put enough pressure on the Republican side of things that they would go to him and say, you got to resign. We, ha- we can't. Continue, this can't continue. For people sitting at home wondering what they can do, uh-huh. what would you tell them about civil disobedience and protesting yeah. and being part of that community? Well, civil disobedience, I actually gave a talk on this, and it's a civil disobedience for beginners talk. You can use your privilege. Maybe you have light skin. Maybe you have a great education. Maybe you're sitting on half a million dollars of Amazon stock. Maybe you're a dude. If you have that systemic power, you can use it. You're gonna face fewer ramifications from being arrested than somebody who doesn't have as great of an education and might struggle to find a job or someone who has darker skin where the police are more dangerous for them. You have the opportunity to use that privilege. Once you decide that you wanna use your privilege this way, you have to understand that civil disobedience is a tactic. Getting arrested is not the goal. It has to ladder up to something, and you really want to make sure that that tactic ladders up to the goal that you want to achieve. In terms of civil disobedience, especially if you are a white or white-passing person, you don't have as much to fear from the police. Obviously, you want to be looking at, you know, what kind of jail support, what kind of bail support you have from whatever organization you're partnered with, especially if it's your first time you know, really go into it with the understanding that the org that you're working with has your back, um, that they have a good plan, that the tactic ladders up to the strategy, that ladders up to the goal, because you don't want to waste your, your arrests on something that's not worth wasting your arrests on. When all else fails and all else has failed, um, it's time for civil disobedience. And so I'm down here as a civil disobedient. Uh, I've been arrested uh, three times in three weeks. 
How many times have you been arrested? This last week was six, was number six a week ago. I took my guitar out and started singing in the atrium of uh, Russell. They didn't like that? No, they didn't. Well, it was interesting. So apparently... After the fact, somebody thought that it was just someone having kind of a a break or having, you know, some kind of like outburst. They didn't realize it was a protest. So I got through Sarah Bareilles' Brave three times before they arrested me. Because <laughs> they didn't know whether to <laughs> they didn't know. Well, call they didn't, the cops they or... Well, they were just not, they weren't expecting it. Like they were following the big swarm, the Senate group right. around. Right. And, the, and I had been coordinating with them. But what ended up happening, you know, I snuck into a bathroom, got my guitar out. Like we were very sneaky about it. And so they were not, they were caught totally unaware. So you would say for the person that is okay with civil disobedience, that would be okay with being arrested, that they partner with an organization that is sure to take care of them, that there is an understanding, that there's bail money. Yeah. I highly recommend the Poor People's Campaign. They do excellent job training. They do an excellent job with, with jail support, bail support. They have really good lawyers. Like, they really have it together. I feel like I learned and got my my civil disobedience feet under me with them. That's amazing. And what about for people that don't want to be arrested or aren't into the civil disobedience? What would you say? How could, how could they be included in using their voice? Well, if it's a direct action, for every one person who's arrested, there are like 20 people playing support roles. And so it's everything from making sure that like taking someone's bag and their phone and whatever else so that that doesn't get taken into custody, making sure their car doesn't get towed, waiting there, you know, when they get out of jail with like warm socks and a hug, like there's lots of different things you can do. And then there's, you know, there's more sort of uh, electoral work, right? There's doorbelling, there's text banking or phone banking. And then there's, there's putting pressure on your legislators, showing up in person, making phone calls, organizing your friends to make phone calls. Every politician that I've ever spoken to or asked this question to, uh-huh. they say the phone calls really make an yep. impact more than you would think. Yeah. Because I'm like, come on, how much how much <laughs> does that really change? Yeah. And they have all said across the board, you would be surprised at how much that changes yeah. things. Right. Well, it, it creates an environment in the office, right? If the phones are ringing off the hook and the staffers are feeling overwhelmed, like it creates a ripple effect in the office in terms of a climate of pressure. Do you think, back to impeachment, do you think that it's possible to get to 67 votes? Okay, here's how I think about it. Okay. If there were an election today and the candidates were Donald Trump and Mike Pence, I believe there are 20 Republicans who would vote for Pence. Mm. So the votes, to some measure, Mm. exist. But these are career politicians. They are not heroes. They don't stick their necks out without leverage. That's not how they operate. And so it is up to us to create the conditions under which they have the leverage necessary to make that move. I mean, what exactly do you think the crimes and misdemeanors are here? And do you and do you think do you think that the actual articles of impeachment should have included words like bribery, which are actual crimes? Right. Because that's the thing that his defense team keeps saying is there's no crime here. There's no crime here. Were crimes alleged in the articles in the common law of presidential impeachment? In Nixon, yes. In Clinton, yes. Here, no. Well, it would have been super easy 
to actually call it extortion or bribery, right. which are crimes. Right. So do you think that that terminology should have been in the articles of impeachment? Do you think we need we need that? I think I'm going to go back in history to try to answer the question. Okay. So, you know, we need to look at the Johnson impeachment to really, and this is Andrew Johnson, right, the 17th president. So the country had just been through the Civil War. A pre, you know, President Lincoln was assassinated, right? We are in, the, like, the climate that we're in, imagine that times, you know, times 100. And here you have this divisive white supremacist president who was derailing Reconstruction, and the Congress had it, had had it with him, and they passed 11 articles of impeachment. And I can't remember how many of them were not technically crimes, mm-hmm. but it was very much about the climate he was creating. Those high crimes and misdemeanors, the Constitution doesn't require that it be an actual crime crime, like something that would be on the books that would get you or me arrested. Mm-hmm. Because a president can abuse their power in so many ways that aren't reflected in the criminal code. So it needs to be broader than that. And I think that that the impeachment of Johnson is really what we need to be looking at here because it's it's a very similar situation. Well, the thing that's shocking to me, I mean, given that Trump lost the popular vote by millions mm-hmm. and has a disapproval rating much higher than his approval rating, right. that there are not thousands of people here right, right now. So what do you think needs to happen to, to get more people here and involved in outrage. What do you think we need to hear? I mean, they're gaslighting. Yeah. yeah. They're lying. Right. What needs to happen? I think people need permission to try and fail. Mm. I think that it's very difficult to marshal your resources and put yourself out there and be emotionally vulnerable for something that's such Not a long work. shot. Yeah. Because it's demoralizing to lose. And I think we have yeah. to get used to the grief of trying and falling and coming up short because even the action, regardless of the outcome, has an impact. I mean, you look at that Stanford study that showed very definitively the protest impact elections, that even even protests that don't achieve their stated goals Mm -hmm. impact elections, Mm -hmm. that we have to be willing. And society. And society. social change. Right. And, And it normalizes speaking out. And I I think that people need to give themselves permission to be hurt by the loss. I mean, Kavanaugh was so brutal. It was brutal. So painful. I think part of that too is that I think because Dr. Ford was such a vulnerable, open wound, it allowed us that freedom to all be open wounds, right? I think that that was really powerful. Empathy is something you can't, I mean, it's it's a really powerful thing. And when you look at what's going on right now, Trump seems like this reality president. Mm-hmm. His defense team just seems like they, they are mocking the process, basically. Yeah. I mean, I was in that <laughs> impeachment room and they were scoffing yeah. and giggling yeah. at certain points and rolling their eyes. The Clinton administration cooperated with the investigation. They provided 90,000 pages of documents. They provided every witness they requested, including the president. And this administration not only didn't cooperate, they obstructed justice. That's one of the charges. This is the breaking point. And the breaking point is now to get the Senate GOP to do their freaking job. 
and to take their oath seriously. It is time for them to end this. He is unfit to serve. This reminds me of what I read about in school with the McCarthy era and the Red Scares, and that, that scares the heck out of me. If our government is holding sham trials to clear our, our dictator leader, that is, uh, that's not the America I love. I think it's pretty much already decided. I would expect the Republicans to vote to acquit them after whatever minimum debate they have to have. Mitch McConnell has done some very interesting things with our Constitution since he became the Senate Majority Leader. And if people don't see that as a threat, I would just have to educate him. I just don't know that there's any sort of victim here for us to rally behind. Right. It's harder to have a bleeding heart for the Constitution yeah. than it is for people who have been raped and sexually assaulted. Well said. And I, I guess I was raised to have a bleeding heart for the Constitution. Right. And and for, for people, for, too. Of course, yeah. of course, yeah. of course. But but I think, you know, I mean, being the being the daughter of a lawyer who thought about this stuff on a daily basis and who brought it up at the dinner table all the time. Like for me, it's, you know, the constitution is like a sacred document. So it's really hard to watch it being steamrolled like this. What is the worst outcome? Oh God. And if he gets away with this? I think, you know, he cheats in the next election, which is the danger. He was trying to cheat. I mean, let's, let's really talk about what he was going to do. Like assume for a moment that this didn't get, you know, found out, right. That this had, had been successful, covered up. What's going? It's being covered up, but that we had never found out about it. He was trying to create a Hillary Clinton's emails situation about Joe Biden and Burisma and his son, and to to then spin that into a misinformation campaign that made people want to stay home or not mark the top of the ballot, you know, for Biden that that would then tip it in his favor. He was trying to cheat with a disinformation campaign again with the help of a foreign government again. And if he's do if he tried to do it with Ukraine and it didn't work out, you know he's going to do it with someone else. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the worst case scenario. What about long term? What does it do to our democracy? I mean, I don't think we're going to have one anymore. I think we'll end up in a dynastic kleptocracy. I think he's going to try to install Ivanka you know, I know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I don't know what happened. What happened to all of these people? What happened to Lindsey Graham? What happened to Ivanka? What happened know. to these people? Yeah. I think that there's definitely compromise on Graham. I think that's part of why he's turned. All but, of these people, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, speaking of the devil, I guess, here's Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina who tried to house his case against Bill Clinton. Back in 1998, he called today's historic vote in the House to on the impeachment uh, articles, quote, a sad, ridiculous sham in the United States House of Representatives. This needs to come to a quick end. In 1998, as a congressman from South Carolina, he had a very different point of view. Please give us a chance, American people, to document what the president did, actually did. I know what people want to do with this case. I know they want to get it over. I know many of them don't want the president to be impeached, but I've got a duty far greater than just getting to the next election. 
So there's that new book that came out, A Very Stable Genius, right, where they talk about about the climate of retribution, Mm -hmm. right? That it's not just about, you know, managing people or the kind of the normal flow of politics. It's a vindictive, you know, desire to destroy people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and and, and in that way, it's like it's it's a mafia run by a toxic narcissist who cannot take any impact to his ego whatsoever. I mean, you look at his whole defense team and that's what they look like. Yeah. They truly do. And when you know Rudy Giuliani and what he's all about, it's almost as if they took that corrupt business mentality mm-hmm. and brought it into the executive office. Yep. And it's so dangerous for the country. Right. Right. And I think, you know, it's it's also worth saying, and I'll, like, I'll speak to my myself, right? I'm someone who, you know, I seek to be in the public eye. I think to the degree that, like, I think it takes a little streak of narcissism for us to to desire to be in the public eye. And and that's that doesn't have to be an unhealthy thing. There's, mm-hmm. you know, you just be at the high range of high end of normal. But for a lot of these folks, like they've they've got that enough in them that they resonate with with the that level of toxicity. So, you know, I think some of it is is about how people are wired and who ends up in power. I can't imagine the private conversations that go on in those offices. Yeah. With the Republican Party. Seriously. I mean, many of them privately have tremendous concerns about Trump. But for whatever reason, that's not translating to public action. I remember when he was first elected and I came to D.C. to lobby for the National Endowment of the Arts. Mm -hmm. And Republicans were still taking meetings with actors. And they all had the same mentality of like, because Trump threatened to cut the budget from the budget, the National Endowment from the Arts. And that, to me, is... Death. Mm-hmm. Death to a country. If you're cutting our funding for the arts, mm-hmm. death. Yeah. And they kept saying, oh, don't worry about him. We've got him under control. Right. It's okay. Right. Oh, don't, don't. Yeah, yeah he says that, but he doesn't yeah. do, he doesn't. They literally thought of him like, almost like, a, like an inept person that they were going to be able Managed. to manipulate. Yeah. Boy, did they have another thing coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just to echo your point about the arts, right, that, you know, they always go after the academy, mm-hmm. right, intellectuals, professors, mm-hmm. and artists first. I mean, and when you look at the crisis in terms of, like, economic realities for people who are, you know, in the academy, who are professors, I think that is also, you know, very clearly tied to the rise of a fascist mm-hmm. government. And I really think we should spell that out and say that this is how fascism starts. Do you think that's what's starting here? I do. You do? I do. And, you know, my alarm bells have been going off as a Jew ever since, right. you know, he came down that escalator and started, you know, calling people rapists and whatever else. It's like, oh, my God, this is, here we go. Here we go. What do you think is going to happen in the election? Oh, boy. That's... Do you think we have a shot? I think we have a shot. I think we absolutely have a shot. I think it's going to take such an overwhelming turnout of people who are thinking critically to overcome any of the shenanigans. Hi, my name is Colleen Boland, and I'm from Tumensburg, New York, uh, in the Finger Lakes region. Uh, What brings me here today is, you know, we're in trouble. Um, I I served in the military until I retired. I did uh, active duty Army and Air Force. And I took an oath at that time, and it was to defend against all enemies, foreign and domestic. When I took that, I got the foreign piece. 
I never imagined, I never even paid attention to the domestic piece. Um, when General Mattis left, when General McMaster left, that's when the, the last adults left the room. I'm uncertain about where they, where they land. Um, they're, they're completely, you know, his appointees. Um, and I hope that they have the courage to stand up to him, to this bully. Um, like Rex Tillerson, I can't believe I'm giving Rex Tillerson kudos. But when the president, you know, had a dumbed-down version to teach him what the world was about, he blasted the military, and Rex Tillerson turned his back on the president of the United States and apologized to the military folks that were standing there in the Pentagon in the tank. Hi, uh, my name's Carol Payne. I'm from Plymouth, Maine, and uh, I'm down here because I want Senator Collins to demand a fair and open trial. I'm a retired first sergeant and disabled veteran. I proudly served our country for 27 years and would gladly do it again. We take that oath, that means something. And it means you got to stand for uh, the higher values and not your own personal ones. Um, a long time ago, I had a young soldier who worked for me, and he was outstanding in every way. And the highest compliment I could give him on his rating scheme was that he would always choose the hard right over the easy wrong. And, and that's what I'm looking for in my political leaders. I'm so concerned that people think, oh, we're definitely going to win. Right. I think complacency is going to really, really affect what happens. I mean, I think a lot of us have PTSD from the last presidential election. For sure. (laughs) And so I I really hope that that, I mean, PTSD is never really an enjoyable thing to have, but it exists for a reason. It Mm -hmm. exists to remind us of things that have hurt us in the past and get us to act vehemently to try to make them not happen in the future. And so I'm really hoping that that comes into play where people are like, I'm not taking any chances. I'm voting. Right. But again, it's got to be too big to rig. Right. Too precise. Thank you. That's very well said. That's what Stacey Abrams would say in Georgia, which didn't work out. But it's got to be too big to rig. Yeah. And I think think that's going to be our best bet is just to make sure that we have turnout, 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 turnout everywhere that matters. But what I'm worried about is if whoever the Democratic nominee is wins— what are his followers going to do? Because he's perfectly capable of starting a civil war. Right. He Because of that vindictiveness, because of that toxic narcissism. Oh, and he's planting those seeds now with yeah. some of his tweets that yeah. are inciting violence. Absolutely. And Absolutely. the dog whistle tweet. I mean, it's, it's terrifying what he's doing. Yeah. He's a profoundly dangerous person. Well, I'm so glad that there's you to fight against him. I really am. I'm, I'm so glad, glad to know you. you. You're so inspiring. You. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. You too. Thanks I'm for really... being a part of this. I'm angry because I'm so tired. Oh, hell yeah. I'm tired of this. Hell now, yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not tired of fighting Donald Trump and his many, many impeachable offenses. And I'm not tired of speaking truth to power. I will never tire of that. But I am so tired of being lied to by a president. And this entire Republican Party thinks that the American people, the amazing American people, are all stupid. Well, somebody please tell them that we know that the House has passed hundreds of bills this Act. Guess what? We see right through 
Say don't take it personally. That's some really bad advice. It's been personal for centuries, and real people pay the price. Your choices become violence when they break humanity. So we respectfully reserve the right to take that personally. We're going to take it personally. Sorry Not Sorry is executive produced by Alyssa Milano. That's me. Our associate producer is Ben Jackson, editing and engineering by Natasha Jacobs, and music by Josh Cook and Alicia Eagle. Please subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and spread the word. Sorry, not sorry.